0: Welcome to A Nightmare on Fierce Street,
1: a monstrous podcast about all things horror.
0: If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can also rate and review us on Apple iTunes.
1: Today, we are interviewing Alok Mishra, producer, and Naomi Grossman, actor from 1BR, which you can find on Netflix streaming right now. So, Alok and Naomi, first question, which we always start with uh, right off top What's your favorite scary movie? whoever wants to go first Naomi
2: well um gosh you know uh I would say my favorite is uh, Rosemary's Baby uh just because I like the 60s I like the I I, I like the that vibe and that era and that style mm-hmm. um I'm not a real connoisseur of horror um it's just sort of it, it kind of found me and you know, I don't bite the hand that feeds me. And so, you know, I've come to love it because it loves me. I'm, I'm that sort of meaty and actor, uh, and human. <laughs> <laughs> whoever, whoever will love me, I will love that. But, um, my taste tends to be pretty tame and, uh, and, uh, you know, kind of, I, I like the vintage, you know, okay. awesome. vibe.
1: I love the, uh, Rosemary's Baby. I think it's a classic. Yeah. Look, what's your favorite scary movie? Um, Well, I, um,
3: you know, I get asked this question quite a a lot. And it's always almost a tie for me between um, The Shining and The Thing, the John Carpenter thing. And I think it's slightly more the John Carpenter thing, frankly, uh, because there's just such a a hopelessness to that movie at the end. And and, it takes you on such a ride, really. And, and sadly, it was such a failure when it came out, um, you know, really kind of hurt his career in some ways. And uh, But just, it just, the, the people spoke at the end because it became such a, a cult hit and such a, um, and, and probably, arguably, is one of his best films. Um, it's considered one of his best films now. But if you read the reviews that came out back in the day, they're like, People are calling him a hack and, like, <laughs> all this stuff. But uh, an amazing film, an amazing film. Like, the, the practical effects on it are just worth the price of admission by itself. But uh, but just the characters are great. And, you know, uh, really, the ending is just perfect. And the um, and one of the very rare uh, scores that John Carpenter, you know, didn't do contributed a bit. But really, it was uh, uh, um, Enrico Marcone. Uh, the iconic uh, composer who just left us this last year, unfortunately, um, that uh, really just is an amazing score as well. So that's, that's my long-winded answer. It's a
0: good answer. I I'll allow it. <laughs> um, so let's get into this so movie. Let's just go ahead and get straight into it because we're short on time today. And let's start by selling a debate. How do you feel about one VR versus one bedroom versus anything else someone that's called it in your presence? Do you have a preference?
1: I mean,
3: the, the thing of it is that um, we, when when David Marmer, who's our, our amazing writing writer-director, he came to us with a title, and I was like, you know, it's kind of confusing, like, uh, but we didn't think, we thought that everyone sort of knew what that real estate abbreviation meant, yeah. right, and so we were like, you know, it, you know, he was like, you know, but one BR, it's so clean. And we're like, okay, Facebook, uh, you know, what's uh, a Facebooker. But we were like, all right, let's just do it. So we did it, and then we come to find in, like, England and Australia, they didn't have any idea what that meant. In fact, they call it, like, one bed in, like, England. That's what that stands for, right? Um, that's what one, you know, bedroom is supposed to be and um and, and in, in Australia they really didn't know what it was like we were at was at a, a film festival there they're like well, what does your title mean like oh, well clearly we're going to have to change it or something and so um we we had a distributor that's out in England that um i, I wanted to call it 1BR the flat but they were like no 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 it's called it apartment 1BR and we're like all right i don't i want to fight you on it but the all right fine well, we tried to keep it uniform and we made it the same name in, in Australia like apartment 1BR and then it just, like, got away from us, where all these distributors just started calling it, like, whatever they wanted. Like, and we were just like, I thought we got a choice in this, but clearly we didn't. Like, it was just, it just went on and had its own life. Like, so in Japan, it, what is it called, Naomi in Japan? Mm.
2: Mad house.
3: Yeah, Madhouse. house. <laughs> I don't know what we got to do this. You know? I don't know why we <laughs> do this. It's some racist shit. Yeah, it is. <laughs> why are you doing this? I don't know. Anyway, so... Uh, so, um, in, uh, in like, um, I don't know, Russia, it's like called like the girl with the apartment on the first floor or something. And then like in Italy, it's uh, Italy and Germany, it's called a one be apartment 1BR, welcome to the nightmare is what it's Ooh. called. There. Willkommen
2: at Nightmare.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, and um, my favorite is, um, when loke sends me a, um uh a a podcast from a spanish speaking somewhere Uh, i speak spanish so he kind of relies on me to to do all that translation uh but he's always like what are they saying is it is it good or is it bad we'll only repaste you know repost the good and um and it's i'm like all they're doing is talking about what the name means like no one knows what is what is
3: yeah, I mean, unless it's like a, a Cardi Cardi B song or something, right? It
2: does sound like that. I yeah,
3: mean, yeah. But, but I mean, it's funny. Like, well, to my mind, defense, I speak Spanish, but I don't. I can't understand when they talk very, very fast, and so I'm like, I don't understand when they like talk that. normally probably yes uh you know uh, but uh yeah so uh, to be told, uh, you
1: know
3: hit with some of them some of it's not so you know but naomi helps me out no matter what to understand those things um but uh, yeah so and coming back to your, i guess you're, i hope i answered your question what is it called and what is it what, what do i i don't care what you call it as long as you buy it or you rent it or you watch it and you tell a friend that's all I care about. Telling a friend because uh, you know I used to um, I used to test movies for a living. I did market research for film, and so um, you know the the way that you score th- films is um, you rate the film excellent, very good, good, fair, poor, and then when you definitely recommend it. And the definitely recommended score is so important because you telling your friends to see this movie is better than any trailer I can have paid to have cut. Right. So, you know, you your opinion has so much more sway with everyone, you know, and especially if you're a horror movie people like I'm sure you folks are. I mean, like whenever they, like, they come to you, like, hey, what well, can I watch? And they'll be like, all right, watch this, watch this, watch this. Y- they're going to listen to you. So that's that's what I always ask if, if you if you love it, please tell all your friends uh, if, if you hate it. keep yeah, it to yourself. <laughs>
2: I personally don't like the name 1BR as much as I like the name 1BR two-bedroom, keeping it fresh, Janice got a man, or something like that. I'm not Chronicles of Janice. There's been a few uh, sequel names sort of thrown around, but the fact is Janice was squandered in the first version. Let's not, let's be real. And she's still alive and looking for love. So, I'm excited for where where this may go.
3: That's I want to second well, that Janice will
2: be best. I always like to think the best is yet to come, you know?
3: I mean, well, I think I think you were trying to say 1BR 2 2 bath cuz you know you have, the, Is that having, not what I
2: said? Oh, said, well, well, that's that's
3: what about. I meant. Yeah, cuz having the two bathrooms if you're in a relationship keeps it fresh. Like
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So in the, so when you first got the idea, or the script, or the pitch, what drew you to this project?
3: Well, I mean, it was just a good script. I mean, um, you'd be surprised how much like, shit you have to go through before you find like, that you know, diamond in the rough. But it, it was also a thing where, I mean, I, um, I got the script through uh, Allard Cantor and him and his part, partner, um, Jared Murray, have a, a management company. Uh, called epicenter and it just so happened that allard went to high school with my wife uh and so we had one of those douchebag lunches you have in los angeles where you talk about yourself and what projects (laughs) you're working on and he's like what are you what are you looking for we're looking for thinking man's horror movies and you know so he sends us two scripts which i then proceed to never read for six months and in my own defense, I did have another project that was kind of close to going, and so I was really kind of obsessed with that. And then it fell apart. And then I was like, "Holy shit, we need to find something." So I was like reading like three scripts today. Remember that lunch we had? Read his scripts, and they were both great. Like he actually uh, uh, sent me uh, the movie *Tragedy Girls*. If you've ever seen that, oh God, it's, um, so it's a good. great film. Yeah, good film. And yeah. uh, Tyler McIntyre is one of their clients as well. So uh, so I, for, for me personally, I read 1BR, I read Tragedy Girls, and I was like, well, it's 1BR thing. It's definitely great. And the other script's great too, but I'll never do a horror comedy. There's just no way. It's too tough to make, make both sides of those people happy in some way. They're like, oh, yeah, we just finished filming that a week ago. And I was like, well, what the fuck do I know? Uh, but, uh, you know, um, the, the point, though, being that uh, – I read the script. It was great. My producer partner, Shane Borster and I have a company uh, called Beloved Films. He also loved the script and we were like, we got to meet this guy who wrote, you know, wrote this film and David Marmer, who's our writer director was the guy. And, uh, he, you know, he'd been working on this script kind of for years and, um, you know, it, it, it had gone through different versions and, um, you know, he, he wanted a shot at directing. He'd done some really cool shorts, but no one was giving him the money to direct anything. And, you know, I, I, uh, I had a, n- a nice meeting with him where we, had, that we shared the same sensibilities and he's, and he's also a very sweet sweet and very smart man I mean he won't tell you he went to Harvard and stuff and you know he's super intelligent and, uh, but also very nice and also very um, like I said he, very, he had, we shared the same sensibilities and so basically um, you know I, I said you know hey we're first time producers you're a first time writer director what could go wrong? <laughs>
2: Everything! <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
3: pretty much so yes that's, that's awesome a, yeah answer to that question hopefully. yeah
2: I would agree with that answer I there's a lot of crap out there um and uh, this was not that this is uh you know I'm a architect's daughter so I always sort of uh use the metaphor it's like you know the script is like the blueprint and if you don't have a solid foundation then you don't have a house like <laughs> mm. so the fact is you know the fact that there was um mm, Alec Cantor just mentioned me in a comment on Facebook that's what the internet's saying mm. right now anyway oh. uh, <laughs> um no but you know this was a really obviously a very smart well crafted you know bit of blueprints and so i i felt really confident um jumping in and of course you know Alok is an old friend of mine he and i um uh i uh, one of his best friends growing up in high school became one of my best friends in college. So when I moved to Los Angeles, uh, she introduced me to her friends, among them, Alok. Uh, so, yeah, we've been sort of playing drunken and Pursuit late at night for a long time. And um, the, the fact that, I, you know, who knew that I'd been, like, networking in Hollywood this whole time? I had no idea. I was just trying to win, you know, trivia late at night. But, um yeah, it all, it, it was, I mean, I was excited just, you know, work with a friend, so.
3: Yeah, and Naomi was actually one of the first people I showed it to because, you know, she'd obviously had a lot of success in, um, you know, with American Horror Story and was known as sort of a, you know, higher a horror icon of sorts. And I was like, well, listen, I, I don't know, there's a huge part in it for you, but I want, I want you to do it. And, you know, and sure enough, she was, she, she read the script like in, I want to say like May and we didn't shoot till like December, uh, so she had it. However, the-
2: even though I was very early on in the, um, you know, I, I basically, you know, read it, told the low, yeah, I love it, let's 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 play, put me in, coach. And then, um, you know, it wasn't until like November that he called me with an audition, and I'm like, wait, what? I- like no my agent called so which of course I get it he's going through the proper channels but again let's not forget like we're homies so now all of a sudden I've got an audition for my own like besties project OK, um, which, you know, again, I, I, and he has explained himself since, but I did not know at the time that this was really just, you know, a formality. He needed me to meet David, blah, blah, blah. But all I know is I'm walking into the audition and there's a low because it's a low budget, you know, film. He's, you know, the producer and a low budget whore or any uh, genre for that matter, is wearing a lot of hats. And that day he was the reader. He was literally the reader for my audition, Um, which is typically like, you know, the casting director or maybe, you know, unemployed actor that they've hired to, you know, read against you. Well, in this case, it was loke. Now, again, we remember, we used to play Trivial Pursuit, and part of a Alok's strategy playing the game was to read the questions in such a jacked up manner that you throw the other person off. So even if they knew the, an- the answer, they don't know it by the time he's asked the question. Well, here he is reading against me, and it's almost like he was like, throwback to for see- suit days because I couldn't even, I was like, what is going on right now? Is he literally like trying to sabotage my audition? Like, doesn't he realize like, we are on the same team
3: this time. Like I mean, in, let's in, work together. In, in my defense, uh, uh, I, I'm not an actor. Uh, no. So uh, <laughs> they were just using whatever they could at the time. And that was, you know, my, I mean, I did drama in high school. I didn't think I was that bad, but apparently I was, but the whole thing was she had the role, exactly. she had the role. So it was just more of a formality, really. It was, and I, I again, I didn't know. But I mean, that. Who, who I will
2: say this in Alok's defense: he is so good at so many things. I mean, in this movie alone, not only I mean, here we are, we're promoting it, right? Okay, check. Um, he, you know, produced the crap out of it. But um, you know, at one point, he's like going to Gelson's to go grab the actress at the time. You know, the diva who needs a, you know feminine energy drink, Uh, 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 you know, usually they have, like, a little minion to go do these things, but because it's, uh, you know, low budget, he's doing it himself, you know, he's an extra in this movie, like, if you watch it, I challenge you to get yourself some real weak drink, I, I mean, like, maybe grab a Zima or something, right, and, like, drink every time you see a loke, and you will be drunk, like, water it down if you have to. You I, will I, be drunk. I, He's in I, I, the whole darn thing.
3: I, I did not want to be in this movie at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was funny because they'd be like, all right. You know, because my myself and my other producing, my producing partner, Shane, um, they'd be like, all right, you guys are up. They were like, what? And like, why are you guys wearing shirts with labels? And I'm like, because I – fucking don't want to be in this movie and i think that like i'm gonna sit at video village like a real producer and watch the fucking footage and i didn't think i had to be in them and so we're in it quite a lot if you watch the movie again and play a drinking game you will be drunk by the end of it if you play that game because yes. we're there quite a lot unfortunately that
0: makes me what happy because one of our questions is about producing and so when we get there this is gonna be fun. Right. um, <laughs> um <laughs> So like our next question is like clearly there there were some vibes of Rosemary's baby in this. So like were there specific movies or books that you looked to for inspiration when you were preparing for your role as Janice, who we all know a Janice on some level. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Yes.
2: I can't say that there was really. Um uh uh, I mean, you're right, like, that is something I do. Um, I confided in you right before we uh, pressed record that I'm um, halfway through cannibal holocaust uh, preparing for something, um, which I know you're wondering, like, what could that be? But um, we'll, we'll save that for, you know, a follow-up interview when I'm uh, able to reveal it. Um, and, and obviously for American Horror Story, I mean, like, obviously I watch... uh uh, freaks on a loop uh you know but um i can't say there was a particular film I, i i prepped with um and you know as far as any rosemary's babies uh rosemary baby singular uh only child um that's obviously a that's a david marmer thing like you know i had nothing to do with like the the story um although I do love that there is that parallel since it is my favorite horror movie. Um, I would say if anything, I just, um, you know, I talked to David some about what he was looking for. And, you know, we, we discussed the fact that she's, she's not a bad guy. Like she's not trying to, she's not some like, you know, carilla DeVille, like, like no one goes out to try to be evil. Like that's, you know what I mean? Like even Hannibal Lecter has like redeeming qualities, and that's what makes him a compelling villain because he's like you know he's a he's uh, worldly and uh, cultured and well spoken <laughs> and you know knows uh, you know classical music aficionado. Like that's uh, that's what's interesting. And so same thing here. Like she's not trying to uh, torture; she just uh, it, believes in. Um, uh, Discipline for her daughter. She wants to instill a certain set of values for her offspring. And I think that's something that, like, any mother can relate to. Um, so, you know, she's.
1: There's
2: nothing wrong with what she's doing. Just, well, it's well, the I way mean, she goes well, about well, it. You
3: know, well, right. the thing <laughs> is, too, I mean, we're talking spoilers here. Everyone should know that okay. we're going to be spoiling the shit out of this movie. So, if they haven't seen it, stop right now and go watch it. Oh. Come back. <laughs> because- because, I mean, the one thing that David always says is that um, he told, like, you know, Taylor Nichols and, and also, uh, like, Naomi, I want to say, like, you guys are the good guys. You guys think that what you're doing is right. Like, and, and all these, a lot of these cults that he kind of researched to sort of, like, kind of make this amalgam kind of cult, let's say, you know, they are started with the best intentions. Like, the, the main one that it's very similar to uh, is Synanon. Um, It it was this drug alcohol rehab that uh, was like, you know, in the 60s and it started off as, you know, this drug rehab because, you know, at the time people didn't treat that as a disease. They just said these people are kind of lost souls. We can't help them. And the government was even sending them people. And then as most cults sort of do, it became more of a cult of personality. There were some murders. Uh, They moved out of L.A., Fun fact: uh, There was uh, they moved up north uh, to to Northern California, and um, there was a little filmmaker named George Lucas uh, making his first feature, uh, THX eleven thirty eight. And uh, you'll notice there's a lot of bald people in that movie. Well, the cult at that point had decided to shave everyone to shave their head, men and women, like we're all equal here, kind of thing. And a lot of the extras in that movie. Are the Cynodon members actually uh, so uh, yeah but uh, obviously there are little you know s- s- little little hints of different other kind of cults and even cults we couldn't even predict it like the whole like uh, Nexium thing like where I-, I watched that entire documentary and not only the branding people but they're going around a circle slapping each other right that's like a part of it too which was you know, in our film too um, mm-hmm. so I mean, and, I mean obviously there's a little Scientology in there well, we don't like to talk about that too much because Naomi Naomi drives her bike uh, just down the street from her house is the you know Scientology center. We don't want her to get snatched, so we don't we don't talk about that as much. But uh, I mean, there's obviously elements of that in there too. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a thing where I think that um, they they feel like they're doing the right thing, and it, and if you do look at it, I mean, I would say it's kind of like this. It's like you know. Uh, Edward Norton in American History X, right? Like he's given that speech before they go and ransack the Mexican grocery store. Let's say, right? And for a second, you're like, "Yeah, he is right. Why is I'm fucking Nazi?" <laughs> but you, but you, you, you empathize with him. You see what's what, and you look at this act, this actual cult that they've tried to, you know, they're trying to indoctrinate Sarah. They're not like sexually abusing her or something. They actually kind of really do want the best thing for her, you know, in a certain way. Their methods are fucking insane but uh you know there, there is a method to that madness in some way they they do say at one point like you know you know we it, you just you just be part of us and we'll try to do anything to make you happy sort of and they kind of you know try to do that in a way um at least thus what we've seen thus far of this this uh this organization uh and stuff but um right. but yeah i'm sorry i think i don't got on tangent here but uh hopefully that answered your question yeah, in some way
2: Alok likes to joke that I'm in a cult and I'm just in denial about it. Uh, It's just that every day I have yoga and I'm like a complete freak about it. Like whenever he wants to, you know, schedule an interview, he's like, what time does the cult meet this week? You know, um, because it's like, yeah, I have a cult meeting at six. Like, so, you know, you're welcome to schedule me before, but, you know. When the cult right. starts, the cult starts.
3: <laughs>
0: That's
2: and yes, I have to ride by another cult in route to my cult.
1: <laughs> I I actually find cults so interesting. Um, so it made this film really interesting to me. And actually, I want to add, at the end of the film, the only person in the cult that I really felt bad for was Janice, because she's like, her husband is dead. And like I was just like, if she comes out with a knife, and I was like, I kind of wanted to stab her now, but you know, I felt bad for her. So- Well, don't worry about
2: her because you know, (laughs) as it turns out, so here's what happened. We alluded earlier to the fact that all kinds of things went wrong with our, in this production. Well, among them, one of our production trucks was stolen. Like, this is true story. There was, at one point, um, there was a night that uh, there was a PA outside, you know, babysitting our production vehicles. And apparently some, like, white
3: van
2: came, you know. A white
3: white escalade with no plates. (laughs)
2: Escalade with no plates. And basically, the driver was a newbie in this truck-stealing ring and basically they they went off with went away like got away with our production vehicle and actually loke tells this story better but i'm gonna bring it back around to not feeling bad for janice so yes
1: i'll,
3: I'll, I'll tell you this part of it and she'll continue on but uh no we, we had a 15 day shoot it's not a lot of time and, Seriously? you know, we, we, were, we were parking our production, we had three production trucks, right? Like, you know, these kind of white box trucks you see. And we had them um, parked in front of uh, Epicenter's offices. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a busy street, but it's in Bel Air. So it's not like it's like some sort of crime-ridden place necessarily. But this is a truck-stealing ring. They've been doing this for years. they would never been caught, actually, until this very night, where we had a, a parking PA sit. There's three trucks in a row, right? And we had a parking PA sitting in the middle the truck, just, you know, sitting up and you stay up all night and watch the truck. That's what he's supposed to do. And so, um, as Wyatt Escalade pulls up, three guys get out, break into the first truck, and they're just, like, off and running in, like, eight minutes. Like, boom, done. Thank God they didn't come to the second truck because I heard that parking PA had a gun. And I don't know what would have happened then, but just, who knows, right? So, but this guy, who's this, this hero... And I feel bad I don't remember his name. (laughs) But I did try to buy him something for his trouble, and I'll get to that at the end. Um, So this guy, like, realizes what's gone down and what's going down and gets into his own car and then gives pursuit to this truck that's been stolen, right? And he's on the phone with the police, and they're like, sir, you need to stand down. And he's like, I will not. I will not stand down until you are behind this truck and in pursuit yourself, you know? And so, uh, so he... They go from like one freeway to the next, to the next. And apparently they were trying to get, they, they, eventually they would have gone down to, to Mexico and they would have tried to do whatever their operation was there to strip it and whatever. And you know, um, But there's a, there's a iconic Felix sign, like Felix the cat sign. That's like right next to USC. And that's where it, it all goes down. Is it right when they get over there, all of a sudden, like the, the spotlight from the helicopter, Copter like shines down on the truck, and now like three cop cars who didn't have their lights on or anything were just like silently creeping, creeping, creeping up. They then all converge on this fucking truck, and this guy tries to fucking gun it and just get away. And he's like, he gets he gets off on side streets, is around USC, which I went to USC. It's not a nice neighborhood, uh, you know. Like, I mean, we had the riots like there. Like, you know? <laughs> it's like not a great neighborhood. But he tries to gun it, and he doesn't. He's not successful, and finally, like they pin him down at this uh, McDonald's slash Chevron station, right? And so now this, this is all on TV, by the way. Uh, it's all on TV, and actually, if you buy the Blu-ray, uh, this is this is on the Blu-ray, by the way, <laughs> uh, because so they they pin him down. They actually arrest, they pull him out of the, the truck, and he is a handsome felon, right? And I'm gonna let Naomi tell probably the rest of the story but I'm going to say one thing the, the reason it's on the DVD is we, we didn't tell any of the actors nor the director any of this happened like we were just, we thankfully were only delayed an hour because we had really good partners at uh, Cinepower who'd rent us the truck and they like they had you know sent another truck right away when we had you know called them at like five in the morning like this this is what's gone down I don't know what I don't know what's going on with your truck but we're insured don't worry you know so um, they sent this person down um, another truck down, and, and uh, we didn't tell anybody, uh, including the director, um, until the rap party. And then we didn't even tell the actors, frankly, until we were actually at uh, Fantasia Festival uh, doing our world premiere. And we were uh, doing the q and they were like, We were telling the story, and they're like, Oh, wait, we got some footage of this. And they had the arrest footage of the, the handsome fella. Now, Handsome Felon's its own story. I've got to let Naomi finish that part of it all. No,
2: I mean, that's pretty much, I mean, that's the punchline. The guy that stole this truck is freaking Brad Pitt. And, you know, like, the cops are literally like, oh, 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 oh. Oh, oh, sir! Like they are not roughing this guy up. <laughs> well,
3: and There's I and no I, I want I wanted them to. I was like, God damn it! Of like course. you was here this don't, like don't stuff. don't want like, mess
2: the facha. It's like yeah, I mean crazy. Anyway, um, yes. the fact is, it is worth every penny, ladies. Uh, if you're considering buying the Blu-ray, oh my goodness! Uh, but apparently, they struck some sort of deal with uh, you know the. Producers. Well, he he
3: he turned state's evidence against the the truck stealing ring. And and he's supposed to pay restitution. Well, I, I've never seen a dime. But, uh, you know, uh, in fact, <laughs> I, just, I, I, I I think well,
2: he needs to work this off. I think he could be in the sequel. Yeah. He's got the face for it, certainly.
3: I mean- And let's
2: I- face it, his truck stealing ring days are n- over. I mean, so. I, hope that, I hope
3: they are. I mean, you know, you never know. <laughs> he gets pulled back in again. Or, you know, he, he could get whacked for turning on the ring. Or, I mean, who knows what actually happened at the end of the day. Um, I, should, I should look into this, actually. But the, the, the point of all of it is that I, I've always pictured his, his, um, him paying off his debt to be, be some sort of be my monkey butler or something. Or maybe maybe he is Janice's love interest. I mean, you know, 1BR, how Janice got her groove back. <laughs> this hot felon. That's the fucking way it happened. Like, uh, you know, she's I going mean-
2: to need to rebound. And let's face it, it happens. She ne- she needs to mourn Jerry, sure. But then, you know, like you can't be sad forever.
1: No, it's true, one hundred percent.
2: The community
3: won't allow. I not get it. No, <laughs> the, the, co- the community is community is all of us, including the hot felon. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> So,
1: so don't feel sorry com- for
2: Janice, but thank you for your okay. for your sympathy. I told you I'd bring <laughs> oh that back around.
1: There we go. <laughs> um, so most of us spend a lot of our lives building community and that's kind of what this the spine of this film was. It's community and how far we go to create that community and what we, let, what we want that community to look like. Well, and now we're getting, we're on the tail end. Let's hope we're getting out of this pandemic situation world so do you feel like this movie hits differently now that you know we're this far into the pandemic and we're looking at coming out of it
3: you know i took a question um the thing that was weird about all of it was that we were supposed to have like a like a small theatrical release right you know it was 10 to 15 theaters something and it it literally it's literally Last year, April twenty fourth was when we came out, right? And even as we were in, like, I don't know, the beginning of March, we were like, I think we'll still be able to have a premiere. Like, I think we're, I still, I think we're gonna like have a red carpet because they were, what's, we we're gonna do a red carpet premiere too. And it was a thing where um, was, we're still kind of thinking, yeah, it's gonna happen. And then as March continued, I was like, there's no way this is gonna happen. <laughs> like, and so we were like, what can we do? And and we started really focusing our energy sort of on the marketing and, and everything we could do to kind of make the awareness out there, get the awareness out there. And the weird part of the movie, and this I think hope answers your question, is that there's a very meta weird thing about it. Like, I mean, the whole movie is sort of about not trusting your neighbors in this or what your neighbors being really too intrusive. And like, we're living in an age where you can't trust your neighbors. Like, I mean, like I gotta wear the mask. I can't go out and talk to people. I can't do this, that, the other, so there was a weird sort of thing that went on that I think actually helped the film in in a in a weird sense. Like uh, because what what actually happened is that like you know, you know Netflix hadn't picked this up or no no you know Amazon or who nobody nobody had picked this up. We were just like releasing on VOD and hoping the God that something happened and it did really well on VOD. And I think one of the reasons might be just because of what I've spoke of. And so once it did well on VOD. You know, we went to Netflix again we're like, hey, we did well, look at this. And they're like, all right, we'll take you. We'll give you no money, but we'll take you. <laughs> we're like, all right, looks like, looks like I mortgaged my house for no reason, but whatever, let's just do it. <laughs> Uh, an already paid off house, allegedly. Let me just say this. But, uh, but uh, I think that we're going to make our money back someday. Um, I mean, sooner than later, but, uh, you know, uh, in that regard. But uh, it was, it, I think it was a very meta thing. To answer your question, I think it was a very meta thing that it all came together like it did. And we actually found out, like in May, that we were going to be uh, on Netflix in, in August, like the end of August. And um, we were like, okay. Well, we can't tell anybody that because we want people to buy it on dod still we need to make some money uh, but but we can go on and we can do like every podcast you know if we needed more reviews to get us to certified fresh like i was doing it like our, we had a publicist that was great but she only went so far and then she was like uh, eh, whatever and i was like okay fuck you i'm gonna do this you know so and I, I don't mean it that way but i mean to say that like at some point for independent film you're gonna to have to take the reins and you know if you've worked at your goddamn house you're like we're gonna make some money on this movie we're gonna figure out a way to make some money in this movie so right. so we did all kinds of things like um you know uh, rotten tomato reviews we, we i'd look at reviewers like you know horror reviewers that hadn't reviewed our film and i'd see them having reviewed a, a movie that i know was shittier and like well if they like that movie they're gonna fucking <laughs> love our movie <laughs> I'd approach him and be like, hey, listen, I'm just doing a post-mortem uh, on our, our, what our publicist did. I'm wondering if they offered you the chance to see our movie. And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, let me send it to you. So we would do shit like that. And and they don't. the whole thing about horror is a lot of people would argue that you don't need to be certified fresh because horror fans by and large will see anything. Like they, they don't really care sometimes about the quality. But the thing of it is that our, our movie really wasn't a straight horror movie. It's actually more of a, a psychological thriller with elements mm-hmm. of horror. And so in this day and age, when you're like on an iTunes, for example, and in a lot of countries, when you open up there, it'll have your Rotten tomato score right next to your film if you want it to be there. And for a no-name, I mean, Naomi Grossman and, and Taylor Nichols, and for, I hope they forgive me for saying it, but we, don't, we didn't have as, as recognizable a cast necessarily. And so those kinds of things fucking matter. And so we did that like the whole summer and we got the certified fresh. And at one point we were like at 89% uh, certified fresh. And, and we opened on Net, Netflix and like two jackasses gets bad reviews. Uh, and, and we went on to like 86 or 87 now. So, I mean, you know, so we, we came back a little bit. <laughs> um, and we were actually like, you know, the 20th best movie on Rotten Tomatoes for the year 2020, right? I mean, when, And if you look at all the movies that are on that list, we are certainly punching above our weight. Because they're like almost all of those movies have some star. They're much bigger budget films than us, I can tell you that. Maybe with the exception of maybe one. Um, I think that the host movie was probably you know, at the same level, if not you know, maybe a little lower. Um, and, they're, and it's a great film for what it is. I mean, it's very much a film of our time, right? But, but the other part of it, though, is that we did all this work over the summer to then finally, when we opened on Netflix, we actually got to number one. We, we were in the top five for eight days. And then we fucking got to number one, this little no budget fucking movie, like unseated uh, Jamie Foxx's Project Power. <laughs> and we tweeted him. We're like, sorry, dog. Sorry to take you out, but game recognizes game. He never, he, never, he never wrote us back. But <laughs> we tweeted at him. Uh, but we were just like lucky. We got so fucking lucky that like there it, it, we had good word of mouth on it. So I tested movies, and so we did some fair amount of testing with the movie to understand certain things. I mean, and and all of the stuff that we did, all of the markets marketing stuff, all of like the testing, all of like the you know everything we did came to fruition when we got to number one on Netflix. Cause like that is fucking nuts. Like no one can. I mean, there was an article in Forbes. Like that said, like who is this no-name movie that just unseated Jamie Foxx's Project Power? You know, like I'm. It's <laughs> one.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Cardi B's doing that thing song with the same <laughs> <laughs> <Two. laughs> no. But I mean,
2: the says it was luck. But I mean, come on. I, I yes, yes, it's crazy. But at the same time, like, what is luck when preparedness meets opportunity? Like he i mean he worked we were at, you know really hard on this movie and it it and yes the fact that a pandemic like this <laughs> i i mean and i would agree that uh you know i'm bummed that you know we were supposed to be at the arc light which is now like like dark for like indefinitely Never you know that's yeah, yeah. crazy and sucks and you know it's a shame we we never got that uh red carpet premiere but at the same time and when you think about like how all, all of a sudden the whole world is stuck inside you know watching about a movie like doing nothing but netflix and chilling watching a movie about being stuck inside you know what i mean like we're all busy like hating our neighbors or at least i was I know they're not watching this. So whatever. Um, But, um, you know, like, and and, and, then here we are like watching a movie about hating our neighbors. So it was in a lot of ways, it really worked out. And in that regard, I do believe it was lucky. The fact that this movie was successful was was not luck. It was called really hard work meets, you know, the right time and place. So
3: well, I mean, I, I, I think that, listen, I think that, you know, this is, all the streamers did extremely well this year, you know, like, ah, everyone's stuck inside, and so the, the one thing that we had going for us, and we knew this from the testing, was that there was very little rejection of the film, and we knew that, like, people would tell their friends that they liked the film, and so that's what, that's what ultimately happened, like, I mean, listen, we all, in terms of our whole network of friends, right? Like, maybe we know 100,000 people, because the friends are friends, of friends are friends, of friends, right? But I don't know 80 million people to help get this movie to fucking number one. Like, there's just no way. It it, it took traction on its own, and then it started like, you know, people told their friends. And like, our Twitter, like, I mean, I'm not saying I run our Twitter. There are, we are Minion. There are many (laughs) of us. Um, But, you know, allegedly. But, I noticed, or, you know, we all noticed quite a lot of people tweeting, like, for the first, like, month this movie was out. You couldn't, because we all, you know, we all as a group try to, you know, if someone says the movie's good, we thank them, we say thank you. We might might try to invite them to a dinner party, let's say, right? Like, that's part of the, you know, the shtick of the... the, Wait,
2: what? You invite people that tweet about the movie to dinner?
3: Yeah, because I'd say, like, because, you know, when I, you know just as Sarah was invited to a dinner party, we say, oh, thank you so much. We, we, we would love to have you for a dinner party. I'm glad you like the documentary we shot. That's awesome. Like
2: <laughs> so, Okay, so but you're not following up on this. You're not having, like, randos from no, Twitter. No, I mean,
3: over. yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> we
2: but, know. like, wow. That is <laughs> next level. I told you guys, Alok wears a lot of hats like this is one or, i did not know about the
3: shot or, ju- or i'm just bored sometimes i don't know like it just depends but-
2: no but he is really creative about these kinds of things i i mean there was a point i remember when a local uh, texted me at maybe like i don't know 11 30 at night and he was like hey what are you doing? can you buy the movie right now like i'll venmo you for the five bucks like and i'm like wait, what? Like, what? uh and he's like, no, I'm just running a little experiment. Like just just buy the movie, buy the movie. I'm like, okay. So I bought the movie, but, and, and the whole time I'm like, what is he doing? Like, again, does he not realize that there are 8 million people with Netflix accounts? Like, is he texting all of us? And like, you know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, them
3: in, my, all five in, bucks. In, in my defense, it was like, it was, so we're on Netflix, yes, but we're also, we're also on VOD. And the, the price had gone down to like $5 or something, right. To, 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 buy it. And I was like, you know, I wonder, like so we were like number, like, I don't know, six or something in the, in the horror charts for iTunes because of the, the price um, lowering. And I was like, I wonder if I got 25 people to buy it, I wonder how we could manipulate, not manipulate, just as an experiment, I wonder how many places we could go. Could we go to number one? Because we never got to number one on iTunes in the, in the U.S., which I was always bummed about. We got to like number three, I want to say, or number four, but we never got to number one. And I was like, I wonder if I got twenty-five people to buy the movie right now, and, and for like you know five dollars times like you know twenty-five, one hundred and what twenty bucks, whatever it is. I can't do math, um, but it, it'd be worth it to me to understand that just for future films. Let's say, like, I mean, to, to say you got to number one on iTunes at this time period means a lot to other sort of foreign uh, territories that you might not be sold in. So being able to have the bragging rights, however, it could be interesting. Well, it did work because we also found out you need to go in through the iTunes Horror Store and buy it there, and then you would it would it would it would uh, it would show on the horror chart. But if you buy it just anywhere, it did work for us in the way that went we went to like number from number like six to number three, but we didn't get to number one, which is fine. But at least we understood there's sort of a thing here that you could do if you ever needed to do it, and it was interesting to know. The funny thing is this too because of, there was a lot of recognizability of the film, because we did so much work in terms of, like, podcasts and, like, you know, just uh, articles. And, and we even did the same thing when we went to England. We opened in England, like, you know, June 6th or something, right? But we made sure ahead of time when we were, like, booking podcasts, we were doing all the different things for all the different, like, our, 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 our um, distribution partner there was really great, and they helped us quite a lot. But then they were, like, there's, like, we got, they maybe got, like, 10 but then we got like 15 like you know what i mean like because we did research and like so anytime we'd open up in a place it would open up really big and like we'd almost get to number one but we were fighting shit like invisible man you know i mean you're not gonna beat Invisible man like, <laughs> it's, like <laughs> it's, tough. It's, it's It's a fucking good movie it's like one of the better movies of the year you know um but we do that like in every country like australia wherever we went and so by the time we did all these things so we, so we got to number one in australia and I shaved the I shaved mohawk into my head, actually. It's still growing back, actually. But, I, you know, we, we did it. That was one of the things I offered the things on Twitter. I got, like, bastard producer Loke will you know, shave a mohawk if you fucking get us the number one. And we did. We got a number one in – we got one number one in nine – we're number one in nine different countries now. And the thing of it is that, like, the Middle East loves the fucking movie. I don't understand what it is. Like, I mean, it, it could be anything. I was like – i wonder because we, we we actually opened up in the theaters in uh uae and also uh egypt and cairo and i was like and i found out there was a bunch of girls going to see it together and i was like i wonder if it's like they think that this is their life they're trapped like in this society where it doesn't give them or value them in the right way i wonder if they see something in it maybe that's what it is or maybe we have like a a hot like you know white girl on the, on the on the poster and all like these like you know dudes are like hey you know <laughs> like i don't know i don't know what the answer is but we did extremely well in the middle east we also did very well in latin america as well like we're still like you know i mean it's still like and and, and even scandinavia and europe and stuff like that like if you I, I look at the itunes charts every day that's one thing i do as a, as a producer that i think that other producers can learn about is is to sort of understand and study. I mean, I'm studying it so hard because my money is involved. But I think even if your money wasn't involved, it'd be interesting to know kind of the life of these things based off of how much marketing you put into them. Right. And what what a getting to number one on Netflix can do for you for the rest of the world and stuff like that. Um, We're still very hopeful that they'll um, they'll take us for the rest of the world. They haven't yet um but they uh they don't have us uh, they have us still i mean okay, i shouldn't say but uh we're negotiating i'm sure but i'll say this in the uk for example um you know sky which is kind of like their hbo so we are on sky cinema premiere there so if you have friends, fans in the uk uh we are streaming there there it's, it's like their netflix competition it's kind of like hbo max there is what it really is but um it's playing there and they're very happy with it and they paid some, you know, paid a, a nice, a nice. they paid a little fee, like, for, for what, however this movie has disappointed me financially, that was the one thing that they actually did pay us very fairly, <laughs> like, that's the <laughs> only one, that's the only one, and I don't even know how much money I'm going to see from that, because it's like, they're like, the, the English company who's distributing is like, well, we spent this much to do this much, and then you have to pay that back, and then they they take their third, and then the company that sold it to them takes their third, and then you're left with, like, what, like, like nothing, <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> So, it's been a learning experience on all fronts. So, I can't complain in that regard. And uh, Naomi and I have been having such a good time doing these podcasts like the whole year. In some ways, I feel like uh, Naomi uh, you would say that it, w- it, w- it was helping her sanity uh, being, you know, uh, by herself uh, in her, her amazing uh, Peter Lawford estate um, department thing. Well, I mean, a, a townhouse thing over there. Uh, it would help you, right? Like, it would help you, you know, keep your sleep, Well, yeah, right? I didn't have
2: anybody else to talk to, you know? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, because my neighbor, you know, hates my neighbor, so, yeah.
3: <laughs> her neighbors think she talks too loud in her her own place, which I think is the funniest <laughs> thing. And they also wouldn't let guests come over to go swimming, which we actually did this weekend. We actually uh, we, we went over and uh, we went uh, we all went swimming and stuff, so that was fun. But uh, I don't know if I've answered your question. I think I've really taken it on a completely different place for some reason. I'm, I apologize. I'm very long-winded, apparently.
0: There were so many gems that it's fine. Um, we are coming to the, the end of our hour, so we should
2: skip ahead in our questions.
3: Well, uh, what, what, uh, Nami, what time do you have to leave? We're fine.
2: Always- I have to. Uh, the call starts at six, so uh, I think if I leave by five thirty, I'm fine.
3: All right, so we have like 30 minutes if you if you want it. If you want it, if you don't, no, we, then... We,
2: we will always
0: stay here with you. Don't worry. Right. We're going to rewind and go back into some of these questions we were skipping over.
3: <laughs> well, you have um, 30, 30, 35 more minutes is the point, so...
0: We can do this. <laughs> um, Naomi, you've had a lot of roles and you have a background in, like, comedy and improv. And so <laughs> is there one role that you still would like to play or some sort of type of character that you're still looking for?
2: Oh, God. I mean, yeah. I feel like the world hasn't really seen what I do yet, really. Um, I, you know, I'd love to play, um, I mean, this is not, Elope will not be producing this, I can just tell you. But um, I mean, I would love to play like, do like a biopic and play you know Lily Tomlin or um, the Tracy Ullman or Gilda Radner or um, Carol Burnett like one of my touchstones you know um uh I mean there's ugh actors that I would love to work with. I would love to like work with like a Christian Bale or a uh, Joaquin Phoenix, although he was quite, quite rude to me when I met him once, but I, I can look past that. He's so brilliant. Um, um, uh, I mean, a uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, like I would love, uh, like, I would love to have that career or just opportunity, opportunity to like just get sued by everybody. You know what I mean? Like, to just ruffle some feathers and like like really dangerous um, comedy is uh, is super exciting to me. Um, yeah, I I, I mean. You know, I, I write as well, and I, I've written a couple of one-woman shows. And so, you know, it's I'm not one of these actors who's totally reliant upon, you know, producers or, or casting to give me roles. Like, I, if, if I'm not getting them, I make them myself. But, um, you know, at the same time, my brain thinks a certain way and it tends to be, um, well, Mostly autobiographical, um, and so I, you know, tell my own stories, and and and, and I, you know, I come from the theater, and uh, so I, I, I kind of envision them kind of on a stage, and so in that regard, I am a little limited, and of course, my, you know, budget, <laughs> there's that too, um, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many things that I want to do, and um, and yeah, I feel like I'm just beginning, really
1: truly she's Um,
3: she's, she's not even saying like her her one woman shows are fucking hilarious and uh, like she's been to like edinburgh fringe fest whatever and like and and the the thing i can't say speak about it but the next thing she's been working on over covid is so fucking funny just and i don't know everything about it i know certain details but i can't wait to see it uh frankly and i think that she could probably definitely get like you know, hopefully Netflix or somebody to to pick it up just uh you know as a comedy special what have you and stuff so I'm I'm looking forward to it
2: me too you should um when you're having your conversation when they need to renew you can say by the way
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Love Hey. it. laughs> uh, Naomi one of the things that I personally enjoy with all of your performances is that You have a very specific attention to detail and like the physicality of your characters specifically with like pepper versus janice very different physical natures and then other things as well um was there anything you used in this performance as janice to that was to make her different than other ones
2: certainly and yeah you're right i'm like physicality is a huge thing for me um I kind of like to think of, uh, I kind of like to work from the outside in, like, kind of uh, figure out how they're walk and talk and that. And then like, inside, like, why is it that they walk and talk like that? I mean, in the case of Pepper, like, I mean, it's, it's literally like, there's a a physical malady, you know, there's a malady that makes her that way. But um, you know, with Janice, I mean, it, let's face it, like she kind of has a stick up her ass. And like, so w- when you do not that I have ever put anything up there, but, you know, you walk a, a, a certain way. And so I think there's, um, I, I, I like that. I, I, I know when I've, um, you know, I, I volunteer at a kid's camp every summer and I, I teach kids like, okay, what if you were to, you know. Lead with your nose, like what kind of person is that that leads with their nose? Maybe they're nosy, maybe they're, you know, uptight, maybe they're snooty or whatever. Like I, I, I find it fun, like when you when you slouch, like what kind of person is that? Like, so um, I, I, I personally, that's how my process, like you hit it. I, I like to start with the outside and then, you know, figure out the inside after.
1: Love it.
0: That is awesome. Uh... <laughs> So the producer question I have, which we've sort of been dancing around the entire time (laughs) on accident, which I love, is a lot of people think producers just hand over money and leave, but we clearly know that's not the case because you have your hands in so many different parts of this. So could you just talk more about your role as a producer and explain it to us like we're five, because a lot of people have that misconception of they gave us money and they're done, and that's not true.
3: Well, I mean, there's different kinds of producers, obviously. I mean, you have these producers that just are investors, let's say, which are executive producers generally, right? Um, So that's one type of producer. There's another kind of producer who's like, I don't know, you know, the manager of the writer-director, like our Allard Cantor and our Jared Murray, who got producer credits on this movie as well, who just like, well, we found it. We helped develop it. I feel like we should get a producer credit, like, normally it would be no, you're not fucking Keanu Reeves' fucking manager, but you did bring it to us, and we are friends, so let's do it. And they also did, they, and to their credit, actually, they were very supportive in any which way they could, and they also, like, gave us our office space to, to, to you know, to, to work on this, we're doing pre-production and post-production and everything else, so they, def- they were very generous with their time and their resources, whatever they had, right? But that's, like, one type of producer, right? Um, there's a you know creative producer who like you know spends years of their lives trying to develop this goddamn script and you know maybe they know people in terms of being a connector that's another kind of producer like ah oh, well I know Keanu I'll get him for you da, da 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 you know and so they pick up the phone and they get him to read the script and his manager to read the script for him and and so there's, there's that kind of producer too right the best kind of producer is someone who can do all of these things you know um, that that they, they 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 either have the money. Know the money, uh, very creative in the idea that they can recognize good material. And then they're a connector of people, right? And that ideally, that's like the best kind of producer. Like you have uh, the, the most sort of longevity in this sort of uh, industry if you can kind of do a little of all of those things. Um, you know, for independent producers, it's like you not only do that stuff, but then you're also like, I gotta go to Costco. <laughs> like, I got the credit card. It's in our name. I gotta go to Costco every morning and trust me, I did that like too, where I was like, I know Costco so well now. I hate Costco so much. I let my personal subscription like collapse to Costco because I'd had enough of Costco by the end of this nonsense and this now. But I can tell you this, it's sort of crafty. I can stock that like a motherfucker now. Like if I ever get to have to do that, like I'm good. I'm good at fucking doing this, you know. Uh, I know what people ate. I know what people didn't eat. Like I was like very, you know, very observant about the whole thing. Uh, Spendriff was a big hit with the whole everybody, like this the delicious sparkling water. And uh, anyway, they're, 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 the independent producer not only does that. The independent producer, if you're smart, you have a marketing plan because there is no way, there's such, there's so much like, um, you know, I'll call it noise, out there when you release an independent horror movie that maybe doesn't have as a recognizable cast and there's most of the horror movies don't a lot of times have a very recognizable that's the thing about horror you don't need that necessarily but it, it, it is it is somewhat useful depending on your budget if you have like a five million dollar movie well you better have some recognizable people in it right if you have a two million movie, you better have some recognizable people on it if you have a you know a lower budget, sagittal budget, or you know you know anywhere from a five hundred to a million, okay, you can still get away with not having people, but you have to make sure that you do something to recognize to to to, to, to show value to your film above the uh, amount of noise that's out there, right? And a lot of those things are like, listen, don't release a movie in fucking October. Everyone's like, oh, I think because it's Halloween, everyone's going to like spooky things. Like, yeah, but they're fucking releasing every one of the Exorcist movies on Shutter right now. And da-da-da-da. and there's so much stuff for people to watch. They're never going to fucking watch your movie. So have a plan. Educate yourself. The other part of it for an independent producer is that the way that, that independent productions get screwed is they choose very badly with who's going to be their sales agent distributor. And this is a part of the industry that's, like, like they're just dirt merchants. Our, indip- our, 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 uh, our sales agent distributor is great, a very honest company, uh, Dark Sky MPI. And they're one of the, I will tell you, there's, like, out of 100%, 30% are, like, honest and, and decent people. And 70% are just out to literally make their nut and then leave you by the side of the road to die. I mean, that's, they'll, they'll tell you, oh my gosh, your, your projections say that you're going to do this much in Japan. And da, 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 I don't know what I'm talking about, like a 40s style, whatever, a movie <laughs> Barker, whatever. You're all going to do this. You're all going to do that. And and they're lying to you. They're lying to you. They're like, take take whatever projection to give you and, and, and cut it down by like one third or one fourth. That's what you're really going to make, right? Um, so... Like, an independent producer needs to be wary of those things and have the experience, or at least do the fucking research, right? And, and, and talk to people. Like, you know, cold call, call people that, okay, I like that company over there. They did a good job with that movie. I'm going to call the producer of that movie and see, okay, did you have a good experience? Oh, you didn't. Oh, you were chasing people for your money. Oh, okay. You know, one of the things about like our company that we, we're dealing with is that uh, we. I have another project I'm working on with a, another writer director who had a movie with them, same company. He's like, I get my uh, I get my uh, my breakdown every quarter, and I get a check. That's all you got to know, and that's that's an honest company for you. And I've never had to chase them for money. I've never had to do whatever they they take care of it. So anyway, that, that's that's something that. Independent producers and, and producers in general, in terms of talking about the whole thing, uh, that's one of the other hats they wear. I mean, it's just one of those things where you have to educate yourself. And, and if you don't know the answer, don't have the balls to go just talk to somebody. I have so many, we, weirdly, I don't have as many, but I've had some really smart, independent other producers or you know directors like, listen, I saw what you did with 1BR. How did you do it? And, and, and what would you, what would be your advice for, you know, this film? And I'm like, I'll fucking tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll watch your fucking movie for you too. Like, I'll, I'll tell you what I think of it. You know, I used to test movies for like fucking 18 years. So I might have an opinion. Uh, but, um, but it's something that, that, um, that, that's part of the whole producing thing that people should be aware of that, that other producers should sort of, independent producers should sort of like ask themselves these questions and understand what they're getting into, especially when you're dealing with other people's money. Like it just happens to be my money. That's why I'm really concerned with it and educating myself. But it's been a really great learning experience, actually. I mean, I know so much more from this year. I mean, like, listen, I'll tell you the truth. If, if it hadn't been for the pandemic, we would have probably been shooting another movie. And maybe I wouldn't have studied these things as much as I did. But thank God in a way that it kind of all worked out the way it did because the movie did better than it you know probably would have. And I learned a lot. So I don't really regret this year of us uh, not getting our premiere and stuff like that. But uh, you know, it, it worked out, it worked out. So I hope I answered the question regarding producing, sorry. You did. Oh, I, you. Love it.
2: I was gonna say, "Look, that is so generous. First you're inviting strangers over for dinner and then you're offering total randos to watch their movie and give them advice. If I were you, I'd start, I'd make them watch these podcasts. We're, we're you're giving them all of this like just gems. Like it's all right out there for free. Like you just have to Google, you know.
3: I mean, I, maybe yeah. I should do that actually. Yes. <laughs> I'm just a lazy bastard. I'm like, hey, well, why don't you watch this one? Uh, you know, Nightmare on Fear Street. Uh, if you just there, you, this, go. Uh, oh, there you yeah, go. There you go. Help, everything you got to know. Help us, help you uh, for sure. Uh, there you go. I've gone from the car- Carnival block in Padusa to being like the Bob Evans. Uh, <laughs> you guys know Bob <laughs> Evans? <laughs> Did I know the truth? I didn't know the truth. Would I know the truth? Yes, I would know the truth. <laughs> Allie was leaving me for Steve McQueen. <laughs> like,
2: like oh, look, I yes. thought you weren't an actor. Where was this in my audition?
3: I wasn't, I wasn't drunk. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that was a first.
3: I mean, if I'd only been drinking more during the, that's, that was, that's what was missing. Like when I'm doing Trivial Pursuit, I'm drunk usually, right? And I'm like, let me read this question. In the Amazon. That's where
1: the acting comes from. The acting. Uh, I love it. All right, so this might
3: be
2: a little. Me, if only you fed me your lines and your 1940s voice, I might could have given you a better delivery,
3: but. Oh, well.
2: I'm glad I somehow survived the casting process.
3: You went up drinking with us after the audition. You knew you fucking had the role. I mean, that's the truth of <laughs> it. Let's just be honest here. How can you go drinking with the fucking producers after you fucking like, auditioned? Like, it was just to make sure you weren't a crazy person <laughs> for David to know that. I already vouched for you. That's the truth of it. <laughs>
2: Touche, touche.
1: <laughs> so, this might be a little difficult, so I will allow multiple answers if you need them. But, do you have a favorite scene from the movie?
2: This is easy. I mean, as a spectator or as a participant?
1: Uh, let's do both. Let's do both. Okay.
2: Well, as a participant, 100% uh, running out with a knife. I mean it was the chance I got to really do something <laughs> personally. Um, Cause you know, let's face it, like I said, they squandered me, but um, you know, that was fun. I got to really like, you know, feel feels and, and do something. Um, as far as, as a viewer, I love watching Clayton Hoff. I think um, he played. Um, Lester lester so creepy um but so like lovely and sad um yeah so i think that that bedroom scene uh where he uh they kind of have the little moment where you you find out that he's not really a creepy guy he's just sad you know he just lost his wife and he needs a new one and um yeah so those are my favorites
3: well I mean, as a participant, none of them. Uh, I didn't want to be in the fucking movie, uh, so there's that. Um, because but, he was an
2: extra in all of them.
3: Yeah, and I'm like trying to. I'm trying to remember back to high school drama, like like we're watching Miss Stanhope get it right, and I'm like, uh, I'm like, am I supposed to cry here? Am I like? And I'm like, what if my dog died? You know, like. trying to to get like the glassy you know kind of almost tears i can't do it like i'm like i hate that i'm in this position i'm not supposed to do this this is not my fucking job you know so so that's one thing okay the scene i actually like the best one of the best which i think is just it's such an aha moment is uh is when uh, sarah's dad comes in there and he's trying to kind of like rescue her shit sorry hold on um uh, he's trying to rescue her sort of you Mm -hmm. know And then she realizes that, like you know, that Brian's gonna kill him if she doesn't fucking turn it on, and she does. And then, you know, of course, he slaps her and stuff like that. And like that—that scene to me is like the heaviest. And it's interesting because, like, we we had a a good um, as part of the marketing strategy. Let's say we had a really great festival run for the film, and so I went and saw it like all over the world, and purposely so because of this. Because I was like, listen, we actually have a movie that you know tests well, that we know is good in our minds let's see if the rest of the world likes it and let's see where they are reacting. And so they, all over the world, they always react to the cat. They always react to, um, uh, you know, the, um, the, uh, the, that scene with the, you know, the dad slapping, like when, when, you, when, when uh, she's like, um, the next time I want to see you is at your funeral. Everyone's like, Ding! you know, everyone always, if it's in French. If it's in Spanish, it doesn't matter. Like they all react. They're like, Oh <laughs> shit. Oh shit. You know, there's that scene is also obviously the scene with the, the nails or whatever. That's always like, you know, it's very fucked up. And um, and then the very end, when we pump the, the Andy Williams, well, it's not Andy, it's, it's cover of Andy Williams song, the Happy Heart song back in, like the, it, go, it cuts to black, and then all of a sudden it pops up there. There's like a sigh of relief that always kind of goes to the crowd. Like, okay, we've gone on this horrible experience. And now we can fucking breathe, right? Like, it's, a, I noticed this like all over the world that I went. And I, and that's another thing I would tell anybody who's, who's a, you know, producer, save some money to go on the fucking, I, I had like 700,000 airline miles. I was a big airline mile whore back in the day. I have 35,000 miles now. <laughs> <Like> I, <laughs> I use it up to go, I mean, cause, cause a lot of times the, the festival will pay for your, um, will pay for your hotel and stuff and like give you some food and money and whatever, walking around money. But they won't pay for the airfare. Like they're not paying for the airfare from, you know, fucking Manchester, England to goddamn Australia, you know. Uh, which is probably one of the worst flights you can ever take in your life, I can just tell you this. Uh, but I, it's the one flight that I actually used my miles to do something like at least business class or something. Because it was just – it was even miserable being in business class because <laughs> <like>, it's <laughs> such a long fucking flight, you know. But I went all over the world with it. And I, this is my suggestion to people, to independent producers, is that you go all over the world to be at these festivals so you can become – Friends with these fucking festival directors and everybody else, right? And you know they love you now. We, like I had some of them from Australia come and stay in my house at Sundance. I got a house every year, like we, you know, whatever. And 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 we became friends with everybody to the point that like now I just pick up the phone. I'm not applying to another festival ever again. Like I'm picking up the phone. I also did tremendous amount of research into genre horror festivals actually as well. To the point that actually um, Tim Malloy, who's the um, he's the um, editor of uh, Movie Maker Magazine, Uh, let me help uh, head an article that was the top 50 genre festivals in the world. Uh, We just did this this uh, last October, uh, and I hope we can help people because there was such a lack of information, and usually the the list that they have, like Movie Maker had, was like you know top twenty five, and it was like someone like you know gave someone a blowjob to be on that list or something. And I was like, cause I I confronted this guy at Sundance. Uh, we were at a, a dinner, and I was like, hey, your list is bullshit. You know, <laughs> it's like he's like, oh, you think so? And I'm like, yeah. How the fuck is that fucking movie that film festival on that list? It doesn't deserve to be there. And like he's like, well, he, they had just taken actually they just bought the publication, and so he's like. You talk a good game, why don't you fucking help write it? And I'm like, I will help write it for free like my time and you know so he uh, he actually also let me write an article about uh, the the, the, play, the, the, tr- the very plagued production that 1BR was. Um, you know, uh, there's all kinds of stories. I don't think we still told you about like how we lost all our, we lost our top three leads, like, um, uh, four days before shooting, for example, which is a classic story. Would you but, elaborate uh, on that? <laughs> uh, I could, I mean, but, but I'll say this, it, it, we also had fires, all, all this good stuff happened and it's in that article. So if you look it up, you can see it, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you this one story and I know we're getting towards the end here and stuff like that. Um, but um, uh, 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 Naomi actually alluded to it earlier and she was talking about this uh, feminine energy drink, right? Uh, like I had to go get it. Well, they
2: made a mistake of hiring this dipshit diva who had like this, allegedly, you know, yeah. like yeah. pink Red Bull or some who knows what, uh, you know, uh, in her rider. And uh, I, I don't have a writer, by the way. Um, like, I, I, I don't know. Anyway, I, I I digress. Uh, apparently, she does, and uh, you know. Um, so, as the independent producer, Alope needed to. Uh, as they contacted the the you know Pink Red Bull company. I don't know what the name of this. We can't story. say they were,
3: they were they were very nice. They were very nice to send us literally a truckload of it, but it wasn't going to get there till three days into production. That was the main thing. So we can't. Shit on them because they actually because, because the well you want you want well, you, to talk about well therefore,
2: Elope needed to go to Costco like you do and no um, no
3: not Costco but the uh, De- oh
2: Gelson's right right Marina right. del
3: Rey Marina del Rey Gelson oh so.
2: right which is for those not in Los Angeles is like another planet like it's really i mean he really went above and beyond like
3: you need you need a passport to get to that yeah
2: (laughs) big time like multiple freeways to get there uh to go get you know some some you know lady lady drink uh you know for uh in the interim before this truckload arrived so while they're in the Gelsons, um you know begging the manager to go please please look in the back um sure enough, Alok gets a call from apparently this actress's agent uh, saying that not only is she out without explanation, but also her uh, boyfriend or male friend or whatever. Alleged, uh, friend,
3: uh, we don't we don't know what he is, allegedly, but we know that like she said to us, you should hire this guy because, you know, he's great and you know he's a friend and we're like okay he's on some cw vampire bullshit show i've never watched but i was like, all right well he's on tv i mean i feel like, like you know, he's good enough to maybe be on this whatever and and, and and to correct the story a little bit we had found a case of this said energy drink but we i thought we needed another case and so we told the manager to please go look in the back and meanwhile we hear all this information uh, where you know it's uh you can continue Naomi I'm sorry I just wanted to put well that.
2: anyway they get colors, the call they have not know. only lost Sarah character but also um uh, Giles Maddie's character um Brian, Brian. Brian, Brian, Brian so they're like ah what do we do drink uh so they went to the nearest like Barney's Beanery, and
1: um well we went and- to the yard
3: we went to the yard house which is right next door actually it was it, just, it, it was very it was very fortuitous that that Place, had good beers and was right next door to try to recover ourselves and figure out what was going on. And then we got another call. So while
2: we- they're there, you know, or, or drinking beer, they got another call uh, that the um, uh, Susan Davis's character, uh, the, the Stanhope, Miss Stanhope, Stanhope, was also out. It turns out that her husband had collapsed and was now dead. And so she would not be available to shoot this movie. So they literally in the last like couple hours lost three of their leads. I was like pretty much the only other actor that did not get the memo to drop out of this
3: and, and taylor nichols of course our dear uh, cult leader oh who, of course of course a dear friend of ours as well and sure uh, yeah
2: yeah yeah okay sure. so in any case they um they did recover though i mean again this is part of the producer's job um uh turns out they got on the horn with uh um nicole bryden bloom who played sarah um and she had actually been um david marmer's First choice, but of course, as the money grubbing producer, uh, uh is—you know—he knew that this actress with this giant, you know, Instagram account would put him in the black immediately. So he was seduced.
3: Uh, I mean, and all could of us, all of us, was, all of us were seduced. It was like you're in the black. Like, okay, good. Well, like, sure. I
2: mortgage my yes. house. No, I'm already in the it black. Was... This is this is all
3: working out like Gangbusters, and then you know it doesn't. Yes. <laughs>
2: But um, it turns out, I mean, Nicole really, I mean, not only did she nail it, but she was, it was, you know, she was the one out of towner. She came in from New York, uh, which really worked to all of our advantage. Um, She was kind of the one sort of fish out of water. Like the rest of us were all local to LA. So we were all like, oh, what are you doing now? Where are you going? And of course she was like, nowhere. I'm sitting in a a Gary Radisson in the Valley. Not it's a, it's
3: a very nice Hilton in the very Valley.
2: Very much. nice <laughs> Hilton.
3: But, she, but was so, still... she was so she was so young, Nicole Bright and I picked her up from the airport. I took her to the rental car place cuz they cuz she was too young to rent the car. Like I had to get <laughs> That's how young she was. But it was a thing where like it was like Naomi was saying, it actually worked cuz like she is a fish out of water. She's coming out from New York, she does not know what the fuck she is, so she's a stranger in a stranger land. And and actually kind of helps, like, her character. And she only got three hours to rehearse with David altogether before we had to just throw her in front of, like, you know, throw her to the lions to some extent. And she's so good, though, that I I, I tell you this, we would not have finished the movie on time if it had been – that other actress had been in there. Like, I mean, granted, she's a, you know, bigger TV actress, but I don't know that she would have had, like, would have got it each time. I mean, we, we she would get in the first take and there would be two more takes we could do and be like, okay, well – Dave's like, let's try something different, you know, and and so it was really so fortuitous that we got her, and and, and to be honest, she was all of our first choices until this more seductive like force came in. We're like, ah, my money, I get, get it back, and, and so, you know, so that that was the truth of it, and 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 the the end of this story. Um, do you want me to finish it, or do you want to do it?
2: Well, no, let's tag team. So the, uh, who's next, Giles or uh, Susan? So so,
3: so 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 the movie was. This is all happening on a Monday. We're supposed to shoot on a Thursday. We back everything up a week just to buy us some time, you know, okay, let's do this. And so, you know, by Wednesday we've gotten, uh, Nicole confirmed and she's flying out on a Thursday or Friday. Now it's Friday in the morning. Uh, and you want to do this part? Is,
2: is this G- Giles or, um, Susan? Uh, Susan Susan's. Oh, okay. So Alok starts, uh, watching like, elderly lady reels, and uh, he finds Susan's, and apparently at the end of it is a phone number, and so he calls it, Uh, fully expecting a manager or agent or something, no, it's Susan Davis, and you know, uh, Alok is totally like, uh, like, without words for the first time in his life, and is like, I don't, um, I'm sorry, this is like highly inappropriate, but I'm just gonna pitch in the movie, and I'm gonna pitch us. And so he does, and uh, she listens, and, you know, um, well, I've never uh, done a cult movie before. <laughs> and sure enough, she's, she's down to clown. And so um, two down, one more to go.
3: Yes, and so uh, the end of it is that uh, now, now we're, in sitting, we're sitting in Barney's Beanery, actually. Uh, <laughs> and it's like 6.30 at night on a Friday, and we still don't have the Brian character. And we're like, holy fuck, what are we doing here? Like, we're calling friends, calling all these favors. in. we were, we're friends with, like, Jason Blum and his head of po- a post-production at the time. Um, and, like, they're calling on our behalf to the different agencies to make them stay open later, to, to give a shit about our little movie and stuff. And finally, like, around 7, we get a call. Finally, like, we're just now we're like, just like, what are we going to do? <laughs> like, what are we going to do? <laughs> like, <laughs> what did I invest in? You know, uh, the um, we get a call from, from Gersh, who was very instrumental in helping us out with all of this, and they um, they you know rep also not only um Nicole Brighton Blue, but also Giles Maddie, who gets to finally play the role of Brian, and, and they're like, okay, Giles Maddie's in, and we're like, oh, god damn, why did you make us wait this long? You know, what, what's going on? And like, apparently, it turns out this he was driving down from like uh, San Francisco to um to L.A. And had to pull over to the side of the road and then read the script on his like you know his phone, and he didn't even read the whole script. He was just reading like his part apparently, and then he just said yes. And we we're like ah ah thank god thank god I think I think we're gonna shoot a movie on Monday. And it was like well, if everyone shows up, we're gonna shoot a movie on Monday. And like uh, everyone showed up, thankfully. And 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 the weirdly, the rest is history. Like we it was a great sort of cast because everyone. Got along very famously, and we're still friends to this day. And we, we, um, you know, I, I just got a call from Giles Naomi that he's back in town, and uh, you know, we're gonna he's gonna be part of that pool party that we were talking about the other day. So oh, good, good, good. Yeah. So, so the point is that we're all. F- still good friends and we and we flew everyone out to the um who wanted to come to the to the world premiere that we had at fantasia which was so much fun we had you know the greatest time you know you make something you don't know how it's going to land or whatever and then it finally weirdly lands and then it actually really lands and then it really lands and you're like okay great And, and and the fact that you were nice and had such a great relationship on um set and everything always helps out too for producers to know that that you know you'll have besides naomi grossman being my friend like we've been doing these podcasts for like a year (laughs) and and, and all the cast and all the cast has has, has also helped us too but naomi has been far and above the best one of ever naomi's
2: the most lonely (laughs) naomi's the most single and the most um (laughs) extroverted
3: well wow, you hear, hear that fellas like this lovely, <laughs> you know, this lovely creature over there. I mean she's had she's double she's double vaxxed. What, what? I'm double vaxxed too, but I'm married, so too bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a baby. And I've already been divorced once. And I ain't going through that shit again, so you <laughs> <laughs> Go to Naomi. Go to Naomi. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I think we're just about at 5 30 there kiddo. Yes.
2: Are yeah. we? I, I can't see the time.
3: 5 27 so you know, mm-hmm. know.
2: Oh snap then I gotta any, go. You
3: yeah. guys have anything else real quick uh I can stay on a second line longer than Naomi maybe if you need me to but uh but if anything else you want to or you want whatever you want to do.
0: We were just going to ask what's next for the both of you and if you can talk about it because I know you can't talk about some of your projects. And um, then we were gonna say thank you for your time. This was fun, and I want more stories about one br
2: <laughs> things that
0: went
3: wrong. <laughs> Na- Naomi, you you, hurry, you go you go because you gotta get out here, doll.
2: Sure. Um. I. Uh, well. Yeah. There's a, a lot of things I can't talk about. Um. Hmm, uh. Yeah. So I would just say to you know follow me on my socials to you you know when I can talk about it I will. Because, um, obviously, I like to talk. Um, that said, the one thing that I can talk about is is my own project. And that is um, uh, the, the one-woman show that Alok alluded to earlier. It's, uh, I would say, kept me sane throughout the pandemic. But that's questionable. Uh, but it's, it kept me busy anyway. And that's, um, yeah. Yeah, hopefully Netflix is going to extend One BR, and I'll buy that, and you'll see it as a one-hour comedy special. I see no reason why not. So, um, you can uh, look forward to that as well. So,
1: yes, thank you so much, Naomi, for coming on.
2: Thank yeah. you all for having me. I so appreciate it.
3: All right, all well. Listen, you I'll see out you at the here. next
2: pool party. Mwah. Yeah,
3: yeah <laughs> you know it, you know, girl. We'll see okay. you. soon. All right. <laughs> Bye. 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 So, um, uh, I. <laughs> I'm of the the opinion that it's best to almost J.J. Uh, Abrams the shit out of everything. Like you don't tell people shit, and it just it comes. You know, like, what's in the? Bo- he has this thing about the box, right? Like what's in the box? I'm not gonna tell you what's in the box. <laughs> <laughs> You'll pay to see what's in the box. You know, <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> Especially if it comes up, just like you know, like oh my gosh, like fucking cloverfield paradox is on after the super bowl like i'm watching that shit like it's a piece of shit but at least it was so secretive and interesting that i was like holy shit like and paramount was very smart by the way for just like you know dumping that because it was not good but anyway jj is <laughs> very smart i think about the way he uh, does things and so and so is jason blum for example i think too um, Jason Blum's in a different place than he used to be, but he kept things very secretive. And I, I think that's the same sort of thing we usually do. I, I, can, I, can, I can say this very specific thing because it's kind of out there anyways. I put certain things out there, um, in other podcasts, so it's public knowledge. But the next movie we we're working on um, uh, is a production company. Our company is called Malevolent Films. Um, and uh, we're working on a um, sci-fi horror movie uh, with Marcel Sarmiento, who did uh, Dead Girl. If you ever saw that movie, if you haven't seen Dead Girl, you should watch Dead Girl. I think it was on Shudder for a second. I'm not sure it's still on there or not, but they seem to kind of take things away and put things back on, so I'm not quite sure. But I think it was there. But um, great film, uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. It was like it was basically the version of it was one BR for that year. Like it was like an indie breakout. And it was really great and had been like on a lot of people's top ten lists. It, it might be on. It was also on people's top ten worst list because there's a bit of a rapey thing to it. I don't know how woke society will take this film, but it's actually a Noel Sagan. Uh, if you know that guy from, uh, he's from Looper and he's also in Knives Out. He's like the white police officer kind of general lieutenant guy, right? Um, he's been a, he's been also a ton of stuff in addition to that, but that was like his first film, and so that's the film we're working on next. We're actually trying to cast right now, so hopefully, like fingers crossed, we're shooting. This summer, like in July or August, let's call it. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's the only thing I can tell you we're working on. I can, I can tell you vague, vaguely that we're actually doing another movie with David Marmer, our okay. writer director of 1BR, um, that uh, is not exactly horror genre, but might be something else. I won't say a goddamn word about it. So, that's one thing. And then um, we are looking to shoot a sequel to uh one br hopefully in the spring or the summer of next year depending on what what. so we actually have a really amazing idea that i can't say a goddamn thing about like uh did she live or die
1: That was one of my questions. Did she live or die? I mean, right. this could be, live
3: I mean, obviously, I think we know from the movie that this is a bigger sort of uh, right. universe that we're working on and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, um, you know I, I was telling you before that we shot for 15 days. I, I wanted to say that wasn't completely correct in so much is that we shot for 15 days and then we knew we needed some reshoots, including the ending that we came up with actually and we actually shot a couple alternative endings to it as well which aren't on any kind of blu-ray or anything like that we're hoping to actually get a commentary at some time for a Uber souped up version of whatever we're doing but not 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 for many years i'm sure like that uh, just the way it works blu-ray is just not profitable how much they're paying to make a blu-ray is just crazy compared to what they're actually getting paid for it so i don't think that's happening for a while but Uh, One day that will be on there. The four days that we did some reshoots on it, actually, were really invaluable in terms of helping us kind of get the ending we needed. Um, Also, getting moments that we needed, like, you know, in terms of, like, her being in that sort of torture room and stuff. And uh, really, it, it delayed us a little bit uh, in terms of um, actually coming out, but it was well worth it. So I wanted to put that out there too because I felt I was being disingenuous saying it's just 15 days. One of the reasons it took such a long time was that people like Naomi and Taylor Nichols, for example, and a lot of the cast were just unavailable because they're always working on shit. And it was the only time we could like, just get the band back together like in September of like the next year. Like, we shot it in December of 2017. 2018, like, September, when we got to do the reshoots so that was that was a kind of an interesting factoid that uh that you might be
1: really? curious about thank so, you yeah. yeah yeah love it
0: yeah this has been awesome thank you for your time especially because this was super quick like i'm not even gonna lie to y'all i was drunk on clubhouse and a local <laughs> popped into a room and the locals like i'm drinking and i'm like we're both drinking will you be on our show and the locals like yes next week <laughs> i'm so <laughs> Like I, I cannot, I cannot stress enough how cool that was because so many people are like, talk to my manager,
3: maybe next year I'll see you. <laughs> I'm, I don't see the purpose in a manager, an agent right now. Although I've been approached by many at this point. They're like, ah, what are you gonna do? I'm like, I'm not giving you ten percent. I can do this shit myself. Like I don't need it. I mean, boom. I, 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 the only thing I could use is a, a reader, maybe for me. But I like to still read the things myself. Like I, I read three scripts the other day, and I felt very proud of myself that I'd done that because I've been. I can do two a day and give them my like, full attention, but I did three. And you know, I was like, all right, still got it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but uh, but no, I mean, unless, unless you're fucking, I don't know, Neil Moritz or uh, Origin or, you know, goddamn, you know, uh, what's his face? Um, now I'm drunk. I can't remember. a guy. The guy from Imagine, Ron Howard and Brian. Mm. Uh, well, you know what I'm talking about, though. Like, if you're those guys and you have, like, that many projects going, you need an assistant. You need a whole production company. I feel like a stripped-down version of whatever is, like, you know, I, I will read your script. Like, if, if people send me stuff, and I don't just take unsolicited material, by the way, so don't send me stuff. But, like, um, when I get sent stuff, I usually read it within two weeks. So it's, uh, it's not too bad. I, I don't think I need the reader yet. But, uh, you know, it's funny to try to get to something good, though. Because it's like literally you read so many fucking shitty scripts and you're just like, all right. I, I, but the difference with me is that I usually give people notes on it because I just can't help it. Because I'm just like, all right, this is what's wrong. You didn't do this. And I don't feel this character did this and blah, blah, blah. So I at least give them that. I'm going to read their script and stuff. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Ah, anyway, uh, it's, it was lovely to, to, to meet both of you and to talk to you guys. And you guys said it'll be on like uh, – are, are we – should we end it now? Or oh, yeah! No, off yes.
0: <laughs> Thank you all for checking this out. We will see you on the podcast soon. Bye.
3: I'm giving my money-grabbing producer fingers.